Thank you, Lord. Father, we worship. Fill our hearts. We glorify your name, O Lord. We honor you. Lord Jesus, the bright and the morning star. The Lamb of God that died for our sins, we worship you. King of kings and Lord of lords, we give you praise. We reverence you today. Receive our worship today, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, let's go ahead and give Jesus some praise. Hallelujah. Please be seated. Oh, please. Thank you, guys. Well done. Thank you, guys. Can we appreciate the band, please? And heart and soul. Thank you. Thank you. Good afternoon, Good afternoon everyone. All right. Um, thank you for being part of this um, service. You guys are doing well? All right. Good. Good. Okay. I know today is a super Sunday and you quite have, usually have quite a lot of things to do. So I'm going to try to keep this very, very uh, short today. So today I want to start a series on relationships for this month and it might go a little beyond this month depending on how uh, you open your heart to uh, receive this. So we're going to talk and discuss relationships in diverse and different areas. Now, obviously you've heard a lot about relationships, you've read a lot about relationships, you know a lot about relationships. Usually in its Teaching like this, one thing I will encourage you to do is like, um, like a great philosopher said, the illiterate of the 21st century is not he who cannot read or write, but is he who cannot learn, unlearn, and relearn. Many of the things you and I have learned about relationships in time past, we will need to unlearn. Okay? And to do that, you have to open up your heart. You have to be flexible. Open up your heart. A few things you've learned about relationship, either from observation, experience, just like I did. I learned a lot about relationships by observation and by popular culture. Hey, this is what is acceptable, and I was into it. Uh, you know, from what I was in my university days. But I, I had to unlearn many things to understand relationship effectively. And for me, to be able to have a good relationship. <laughs> Maybe I should let you know first and foremost, a good relationship, happy, joyful relationship is not a mirage. It's not a mirage. It's not just something that somebody is saying that, oh, they say this for PR purposes. It is true. It is real. It's possible to have a relationship that is joyful, that is full of a lot of laughter, I have a lot of laughter around me to the glory of God in my relationship with my wife, in my relationship with my children, in my relationship with people around me. I have a lot of laughter constantly around me. It's possible to have fun in your relationships and every time in the relationship is not about conflict, 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 though we're going to talk about conflict resolution, de-escalation, and so things like that along the line. Are you ready for this? No, not really. Thanks for the excitement. Yeah. It's okay. Some of you are really worried that, oh, all right, he's just going to come and tell us Bible, 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 Bible stuff, man. I just want some real stuff, man. Don't want, I don't need all this Bible kind of thing. All right, good. So we're going to talk about some real stuff, okay? But you have to understand that whoever calls themselves, listen carefully, you may not agree with this statement I'm about to make right now, but it's okay. You have a right to disagree with it. Just keep living. I'll give you another five years. You will understand. Whoever calls themselves a relationship expert and does not take, does not take the cue from the one that created man and woman, that is God Almighty, as detailed in Scripture, guaranteed, does not know anything about relationship. Now, you might not agree, like I said. If I say I'm an expert in Mercedes-Benz, and I've, I don't know anything about Mercedes, I, you know, but I'm an expert in Mercedes-Benz. Are you going to be an expert in Mercedes-Benz when you've not learned the thing? 
You've not learned it from people that manufactured the car. God manufactured you and I. We are his sheep. It is he that made us, not we ourselves. So if you believe that God created man, if you believe in evolution that you evolved from an ape or an orangutan, then your case is a little slightly different. So we can't start with relationship with you. We have to start with another, on another premise with you. But let's agree that you believe in creationism. Then you have to, at the same time, believe that the one that is a manufacturer is the best person that knows the product. Is that true? Do you agree with that premise? Okay. So I'm going to be taking some principles anyway. Let's go. Let's do this quickly so that you can do what you want to do here today. This is some of the topics we're going to look at. The foundation of true love. Not, not all of them today, okay? Just as we go on. Purpose of true love. What fuels true love? So sometimes people have passion. They, find, they see somebody, they like the person they love. Wow, I like this girl. Wow, I like this guy. And you know, things are going on. And all of a sudden, it dissipates. <laughs> sometimes people are married. First year, oh my goodness, it's honeymoon. Second year, oh my God, it's moon honey. Um, by the time we're getting to the third year and so on and so forth, you're like, oh, how's your wife? Well, well she's somewhere. What about your husband? All these men are just the same. What happened? What happened? I've been married now. December this year is going to be 27 years. Yeah, 27 solid years. And honestly, I'm telling you before man and God, I don't have anything to, uh, I'm not, I mean, I'm not telling you, this is not PR, this is real. Okay? This is real. I'm not bored. I'm not bored. I don't sit down any single day and think to myself, oh, what did I get myself involved in? No. No. This is real. This is true. So what fuels it? What are the stages of true love? That's where I'm going to talk about courtship and what you should be doing in courtship. But not today, though. We're not going to get to this place today. To that one today. Stages of a relationship. Because part of what causes problem in a relationship is simply this. Let me just show you a simple illustration. For somebody of my age, I know some of you can do this, but for somebody of my age, I'm a middle-aged man, you stand here, part of what causes the problem in a relationship is that you start from the beginning here, and you want to put your foot on the seventh flight of stairs there. You want to put your foot there. Even if you are able to do it, it's going to be strenuous, correct? People don't want to go through the stages of a relationship systematically. It is when you go through the stages systematically that you have momentum. The momentum from one stage carries you to another stage. And you are able to move from stage to stage in the relationship until the relationship reaches a stage of maturity. But people want to jump faces and all of that. They don't give time to it. Some of you have downloaded some recipes online before and you've tried to cook or attempt to cook. And when you are not patient in it, in the process, because there are some things that just takes time. So, stage of relationship, then the expressions of true love. One of the key things about love is that it has to be expressed. It has to be expressed. And some people know how to express that. Some are better at it than others. And the love expression of one person is not exactly the same for another person. And uh, though Gary Chapman wrote that book on five languages of love, and that works perfectly. It is true. But it's not, there are not only five languages that love has. Because Gary Chapman wrote the book, and it was very good, but he wrote, he wrote it within the context of his own culture. Some of you, in your own culture, you need another type of language of love. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk about all of that. Is that all right? And in the place where the relationship is moribund already, things are not working. Uh, you know, there is abuse, there's toxic, toxicity in the relationship, uh, there's conflict in the relationship, or conflict not necessarily with the parties in the relationship, but with adjoining parties, auxiliary parties in the relationship. How do you deal with that? My best friend doesn't like her at all. My best friend doesn't like him at all. How do I deal with that? How do I deal with that? My sister doesn't, can't stand him. How do you handle that? My mom thinks he's evil. 
How do you work on that? And if things have gone down, how do you rekindle it? How do you rekindle it? All right. Then we can have a Q&A. Does that sound good? All right. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you we receive it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We reverence you in Jesus' name. Love is one of the most misunderstood concepts in our world today. Definitely. It's one of the most, most misunderstood concepts. Succeeding generations in different cultures have tried to define this concept of love to varying degrees of success. You know, and it's tough. It's tough to define it because many people don't understand it. It's tough for humans to define what does not originate with humans because love does not originate with man. It originates from God. So it's very tough for us to understand this, this concept because the foreign concept to man. So love, then, as defined by different people. This is love as defined generally. And you've heard a lot of this before. Love is blind. You've heard of this, right? Come on, have you heard of this before? Yes, of course. We've all heard of it. And true, when you see some couples, you know love is blind. But stay with me, stay with me. You know, love is blind. And people say love is blind. All right. <laughs> okay. But, but, but you've got to understand. Please open your eyes, please. Some people say, well, you know, Pastor, I feel led. If I'm feeling, you know, if the Holy Spirit is leading me, is it, is it compulsory, is it necessary to have to be attracted to the person? Of course. Please never, never get married to somebody you're not attracted to. That's a disaster. Never. Never. That's a disaster right there. Because if you get married to somebody you're not attracted to, you can be rest assured. The same way Holy Spirit leads, attraction leads. Holy Spirit leads people, attraction also leads people. So you must be attracted. Anyway, love is a decision. You've heard that also. Now, it's not about feelings first. First and foremost, you have to decide. Love is a decision. It's true, but it's not true. Say, okay? It's true, but it's not true. What that means is that it depends on the context. Now, this one, men. This is what men talk about. Locker room talk. Love is sexual passion and desire. Now, this is what men talk about. Women talk about in our locker room. When women are not there and we let down our hairs and we really want to talk. Okay? When the guy meets a lady, can I talk to you guys? Not as a pastor. I don't know if you can handle this. Oh, we're streaming. All right. Okay. All right. Let's, let me go back to be talking, like a, talking like a pastor. You see, when guys, when a, when a guy meets a girl, so I met a girl today, her name is, um, I don't know, Naomi, Naomi. So I met Naomi, hey, hi Naomi, I know that we talk. A friend, of, a friend of mine comes around, sees us, says hi, hello. And I said, oh, please meet Naomi. Yeah, she's my, kind of like, she's my friend. When I get back to my guys and we talk outside of the boundaries of Christianity, Are you listening to me, guys? Come on, guys, let's talk about the guys here. Are you listening to me? What the guys talk about. Do you want to know what guys really talk about? All right. The guys don't want me to reveal their, their stuff. If it's a girl, what girls talk about is amazing. For them, it's, it's really, isn't it amazing? You need to hear what the girls are saying and hear what the guys are saying. You wonder, how is this thing going to work? Because the way the girl is feeling after the first date and what she's talking about is completely different from what the guy is thinking. And his friends. But anyway, they say love is sexual passion and desire. Ask Italians. They will tell you that. <laughs> love is tender, passionate affection for each other. We've also had that. And we've also had this one. I feel the butterflies. Love is a warm, personal attachment or deep affection for each other. Okay. The question then is, which is the title of my sermon. What is true love? Do you want to know? Because, you see, for you to have come into this building today, 
You are either one of two things. It's either you are a Christian or you value a Christian. So that means you're a Christian or a Christian invited you. So you value that person that invited you. For you to be sitting down there listening right now means to, some, to a large degree, and I can make this assumption safely, that you want to learn how things work within the concept of the values of the Christian faith. True? So, true love then, listen very carefully. Don't panic. It doesn't mean you read the Bible every day. Just listen. True love means it is selfless. No. Uh, okay, there's, there's something missing there. But let me, let me tell you here. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll do it this way. It's just um, a bit missing. You can write it down, please, because this is going to be our uh, um, definition as we move on. When I talk about love, 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 this is what I'm talking about. It is a selfless commitment to the upliftment of another, fueled by passionate affection and tender care. The selfless commitment to the upliftment of another, fueled by passionate affection and tender care. Maybe I should let you know, when I'm talking about relationship, I'm talking about the relationship between a man and a woman. I don't know anything about relationship between man and man or woman and woman. I don't know. What I know is what I'm teaching. Everything I'm saying is within the context of a relationship between the opposite sex. Is that all right? Okay, now. All right. Okay. So, let's talk about foundation of true love. The foundation. This, for me, please, oh, Holy Spirit, please help me and help the hearers. Please understand this is what is so critical that makes relationships last. This foundation is what makes relationships last. The foundation is the most critical part of a relationship that's based on true love. The foundation is the most critical part of a building. If this foundation does not exist, the relationship might be fun for a while, but it will ultimately manifest characteristics that are undesirable, leading to pain. Please write this thing down. Some of the pain you have faced in relationships already, if you have, some of the pain you might face in the relationship will be because the foundation is not there. And if you are going out with somebody right now, Please be true to yourself and be honest with yourself. Save yourself a lot of pain in the future. Check the foundation. If this foundation is not there, please don't continue. Or continue knowing that there will be a lot of pain. Get the number of a therapist right now. Because you will need it. I guarantee you that for sure. I've done this for 22 years. I can tell you for sure. You will need, you will need it. You will need it. You're bargaining for serious pain. All right. So then, what is the foundation of true love? Would you like to know this? this every other thing rests on this particular foundation. One word. The foundation of true love is selflessness. 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 That's it. That's the foundation on which we build a relationship on a relationship that will last, that is fun, filled, joyful, okay? Relationship that, uh, you know, but, but you can look at it years, decades later, both of you are still excited. You will still say, I do. It's based on this one word. The foundation is selflessness. Quickly, Philippians 2, verse 3 to 5 says, don't be selfish. I think this is the NLT translation or so. Yeah, this must be the NLT translation. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ has. Now, this is it. This is the foundation of love. Even God himself 
his relationship, Jesus Christ is the bridegroom, the church is the bride. The relationship between Jesus and his bride is based on this. And the Bible says, let this same attitude be in us. Okay? Yeah, this is the NLT translation, I believe. Let it be in us. Looking out for other people's interests. Okay, so I'm in a relationship with my wife. I'm constantly looking out for her interest. She's constantly looking out for my interest. Because there is no selfishness. Okay? When I'm telling her to do something, or I'm telling her something, or I'm giving her advice, or even what you would call feedback or criticism. Okay? She doesn't see it as criticism. She sees it as it's telling me something that will make me better. Do you get the point? Because, you know, for my wife and I, I, I find it extremely amazing. What gets men very, very upset with their wife is saying, my wife doesn't respect me. My wife said this to me. What did he say? He says to you that your mustache is butchy. Go and cut it. He says to you that your hygiene is poor. Fix it. The man takes that to be, it's a big D, big D. They have to end up in, with a therapist. Conflagration happens in the whole family. Why? Because somewhere along the line, the woman does not trust the man to give a feedback that will move them forward. And the man doesn't trust the woman to give a feedback that will move both of them forward. Are you still in the house? Selflessness. Selflessness. John 15, that says, greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Now, 1 John 3, 16 says, we know, that, we know what real love is, New Living Translation, because Jesus gave up his life for us. We also ought to give up our lives. Now, in a relationship, the, let me say this to you, please, listen carefully, listen. I know that after I say this, you will say, oh my goodness, such people are rare. But whether they are rare or they're not rare, that's not the point at this, I'm trying to say at this point. But listen to me. The best men in the world are the ones that have conquered selfishness completely. The best men are the ones that have conquered selfishness completely. A woman has a lot to gain, sorry, to add to a relationship. But a woman has a lot to lose in a relationship. If you fall into the hands of a selfish man or selfish person, listen to me very carefully. Please get the number of a therapist. Maybe get the number of two therapists. You are in for serious pain. Why? Why? Because everything in the life about a woman is designed for connection. Everything in the life of a woman is that. Can I level with you? Can I talk to you? When a man has sex with a woman, the man releases a seed. The seed meets with the egg of a woman inside the woman. All right? Dominates, forms the fetus, grows, 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 grows. 36 to 40 weeks, comes out as a child. Right? From the day the man had the sex, the man's job is done. He has no other contribution to make biologically. Are you in this place? From the day the man has the sex, it does not have any other biological contribution to make to that child. The woman is the one that will carry that child from that first day of conception all the way for 36 to 40 weeks feeding that child in that, carrying that child. Am I right or not? When the woman is pregnant, what biological contribution is the man making? Speak to me. Nothing. Then the child is born. The man comes to the place. The man says, oh, baby, nice. Because that's what I said. When my wife gave birth at Credit Valley Hospital, I was there. I, initially, I ran away, but they pulled me back. Because being in the delivery world is no fun. It's not fun at all. It's not fun at all. When you hear somebody scream and all of that, you're like, eh? Before my wife went in, I 
I was in the other side of the world. I was hearing the particular woman scream and shout. At that time, they told me to walk my wife around. You know, Liberty was walking, walking, walking. He said, walk her around. I was walking around. When I heard the woman scream, I said, baby, go back in. I'm coming. I'm with you. <laughs> she held my hand. And anyway, I was in there when they took my son out. The first thing they did, I was there, I saw this. Cleaned it up a little bit, and they put him on the chest of my wife. Connection. They didn't give the, they didn't give the baby to me. They didn't say, oh, take, connect. Because there's nothing to connect with. Connection. The baby connects, and immediately, you know, the baby is not taught, doesn't go to any seminar, does not do any master class on how to suck. Can I, level, can I talk to you? No baby goes to master class and says, let me take it three weeks, how, how do I suck? The lips of the baby, the baby understands suction straight away. And once the baby is on the, on, the, on, on, the, on, the, on the chest or belly of the mother from the first day, the baby knows where to go. The baby is not going downwards, the baby is going upwards. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm going to level with you. It's looking for the breast of the mother. And what she's going to do, connect. And it is in that process of connection that the mother and the baby form a bond. All this while the father is roaming around. <laughs> connection is formed. All the part of a woman is designed for connection. That is why when a relationship fails, the woman is broken. Connection. For the man, well, what was my investment on the day we had sex? That's the real investment. But for the woman, there's so much connection. That's why Mother's Day is celebrated more than Father's Day. Are you still here? I hope you're learning something here. All right. Anyway, so like I said, today is just introduction. What is the purpose of true love? So I get into a relationship. What is the purpose? Why are we, what, what, what is the purpose? When I met my wife, you know, in 1995, March 25. What's the purpose? What's the purpose of a relationship? Because like Dr. Miles Monroe said, of blessed memory, when the purpose of a thing is not known, please note that word. Abuse is inevitable. 99% of the abuse we find in relationships is because the purpose is not known. I don't know if any one of you have ever um, had an equipment or a gadget that was designed for a particular thing, but you're using it for something else. Has that ever happened to anybody? Yeah, yeah. That's called abuse. It's called abuse. Okay. It's called abuse. When, we, when a purpose, the purpose of something is not known, you are going to experiment and create your own purpose for it. So people get into a relationship, well, what's the purpose of relationship? Just to have fun. That's not the purpose of a relationship. If the purpose of your relationship is to have fun, get the number of a therapist. Because that's not the purpose of a relationship. Of course, within the relationship, there will be a lot of fun. But that's not the purpose. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's not the purpose. That's not the purpose. I don't get on the flight and say, okay, where are you going? I don't know, just to have fun. <laughs> That's not the purpose of jumping on the flag. There must be a destination. The destination must be, must be determined before you take off. So you file a flight path or a flight plan. The destination must be determined before you take off. What is the purpose of this trip? What is the purpose of a relationship? Once you get into a relationship, what is the purpose? And this is the purpose. The purpose of true love as expressed in a relationship is this making the other person a better version of himself or herself. Please write it down. Write this down. These are all introductory concepts that we're going to elaborate on as the weeks go by. This is the purpose. So immediately right now, you can see that it's a lifelong project. I've been married, like I said, for over about 27 years now. In December, I did 27 years. Why am I not tired? Because my wife is not yet a perfect version of herself. I am not yet a perfect version of myself. I'm a better version than when she met me. She's a better version, but not yet the perfect version. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So there's still so much work 
to do. So much work to do. When, you, when the purpose is to make the person, I mean, add value to be a better version. Some of us have been in a relationship for three months, six months, four, five months. We are not better versions. We are actually worse versions of ourselves. Even some of your friends are saying, what happened to you? You've changed. That is not a relationship that is going to work. And can I say something at this point? I know I'm jumping. Please hear me. You might not agree with me, but please, if you don't agree with me, keep the number of a therapist. Hear this very carefully. Don't never get into the relationship with the intention of I will change the person. You don't have a pow- the power to change anybody. I don't have the power to change. Only God can change people. So keep that in mind. Don't say, oh, I know that the guy is this, this and well, I'll change him. No, 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 no. My goal is to create an environment, add value for the person to be the person that has to be themselves. A better version of themselves. Are you still with me? All right. Two are better than one, the scripture says. Two are better than one. They have to be better than one. Two in a relationship has to be better than one person outside of that relationship. Two, this is what God says. He says two are better. They will have a better reward for their labor. You have to be better than one. I look back at my life and I see tremendously how much value my wife has, so much value my wife has added to me. I'm a complete better version of myself. The person that I met her 27 years ago is not the same person now. I'm better. Now look at what NLT says. Two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. They can help each other to succeed. This is talking about God's plans in the relationship, the purpose. Now, quickly, let's try and tie this up today. What fuels true love in a relationship? So, Pastor, I met this guy. I know I like the guy. The guy is, you know, let's leave the, the Holy Spirit led me, God's will, let's leave that part out for a minute. I met this guy. I like the guy. The guy is everything I, I like in the man. And Pastor, like you said, the guy is, you know, it's really helping me. It's making me a better version of myself. I, I would say, I'll describe him as selfless on a scale of one to ten, one being the lowest, ten being the highest. I would say the guy is like an eight on ten in terms of selflessness, which is very good. So, Pastor, uh, but lately, I see that somehow we're going a little bit distant. I just don't, we just don't know what is going on. What is going on? How is it that couples just begin to go distant? Now, listen, if the flames of true love are not constantly fueled, it will ultimately, no matter how much you like each other or love each other right now or are attracted to each other, if you don't continue to fuel it, it will die out. Why? CEV translation of Proverbs 26 verse 20, the first part says, where there is no fuel, the fire will go out. Where there is no fuel, the fire will go out. No matter the fire burning into the, in the heart, right now, it will eventually go out. The same person that could not sleep before without, you know, thinking about you, suddenly the person is saying, whatever. If there's no... F- <laughs> if it's no fuel. All right, so what fuels uh, true love in the relationship? Are you ready? Are you ready? Communication. Communication is the fuel of a relationship. Now, of course, somebody says, oh, Pastor, of course, that's cool. I know that already. Good. I'm glad you do. Communication is the fuel of a relationship. I'm glad you do. Now, because you're all smart, you got to the least of you have two or three master's degrees. So, and you've read many, many books about, some of you even studied communication and liberal studies, York University. Communication and something, something, Waterloo, which is great. So you're experts in this field, but you, you might not be an expert in the Bible-inspired revelation I'm about to share with you. So, what are some of the different levels of communication? As per a relationship, Formal, 
And, <laughs> you know, these things are, the first one, the second one does not cancel the first one, but, you know, it grows. Casual, communal, transparent. Please write this down. I'm going to explain it a little bit, but I'll go deeper into this uh, as we go on in this series. This is what kills relationships completely. This lack of communication. Oh, thank you, Lord. This is what kills relationships. Yeah, I'm well, practically done. Today's introduction, and you were not even encouraging me anyway. So I might as well pack my laptop. You see, what's the name, please? Sorry? Hola, Inga. Okay, let me use a lady. Excuse me, ma'am. Can I use an example? Is that all right? All right. Please, what's the name? Osato. Osato. Oh, fantastic. You're Japanese, right? You're Japanese? No, no. Osato. Okay, Osato. All right, all right. Pleasure meeting you. PWA, my name. All right. Now, what we've just done there is formal. True? That's formal. You know, every relationship starts with that. When I say her next time now, I remember her name, Osato. Some of you also, you remember her name. Formal, every relationship starts from that formal uh, communication. Unfortunately, some relationships stay there or they descend back into formal communication. And you find families, relationships, whereby it's now formal. The communication is very formal. For example, in my field, I, no, my name is Wale. My full name is, full first name is Akinwale. When I got married, when I met my wife, I was not a pastor, okay? Now, five years later, I became a pastor. Normally then, it's tough for her. Where there are many people like this, so they call me Akinwale. People pounce on her and say, hey, hey, it's our pastor. So she calls me, pastor, when you are there, formal. When we're there, you're there, pastor. When people are there, pastor, pastor. Pastor, pastor, she just called me pastor. But she doesn't call me pastor when it's only me and her. She calls me Akinwale. The challenge many people have is that when they start out, they start out on the same level. As they continue to grow, things begin to grow, they now start formalizing names. They've forgotten that when you met each other, whatever names you were calling each other at that point, it's so important you keep that name. Why? because it keeps the picture and the view of that person you met originally in your mind. You know, you know in, in what I do, there are pastors, because pastors are also fathers. Pastor ma male are fathers, pastor women are mothers. You agree with me? Spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers. So there are some people, particularly in the context of my culture, the, the pastor's wife is called the mother of the church or mommy. The pastor is called daddy because the father of the, father of the people in the church. And the pastor himself now calls his wife mommy. The wife calls the pastor daddy. So my wife and I, I that can never, it will never happen in my family. <laughs> God forbid that I will look at my wife and say mommy. Why? <laughs> to do what? It will never happen. I reject it in Jesus' name. Never. Why? I didn't marry mommy. My mother is dead. My mother is gone to heaven. I can't romance my mother. <laughs> You're enjoying this emotion. Do, I don't, am I speaking to you? You can say I'm a bit passionate about this. Because I don't like it at all. I see people that are young, 31, 32. They pastor and they say, Mommy, 
Daddy, I'm like, oh, Jesus, this is bad. This is bad. This is very, very bad. So let's keep this in mind. You know, somebody now, if you need to grow, excuse me, sir, what's your name, sir? Glory. Oh, that's good. I like that name. Glory, glory, hallelujah. All right. What do you do? Are you a student or something? What are you studying? Don't worry, I'm just talking to you. Don't worry. Don't worry about them. Just talking to you. Oh, that's very good. Where? UTM. Good. I used to come preach in UTM, you know, some years ago. True. I used to preach in UTM. The head of the fellowship is a member of this church, Jili uh, Adoye. He was the head of the fellowship many, many years ago. I used to come in there, UTM, and preach there. But anyway, so you study management in UTM now. You see, you're a student now, and your name is Glory. So I don't know, maybe your friends call you G. Just assume. Your friends call you G. Maybe your girlfriend calls you G. All right. Now, things are going on. You study management, then you get a job, entry-level job, and so on and so forth. You become a VP, then you become a CEO. You understand now? You become a CEO. Now a big shot. Now, your girlfriend that has now become your wife, now when both of you are together, wants to call you G. But because everybody, thousands of people don't call you G, you now say to yourself, you feel disrespected. When you do that, what you're basically doing is that you're taking the conversation and the communication back into formality. And there's a limitation in which a formal conversation can get you to. There's a limitation on it for intimacy. Are you hearing what I'm saying, guys? Very true. Very true. The next type of communication is in context of a relationship is casual. This one we talk about, you know this already. When you are at work now, I've met, you know, I've met Glory. He's my line manager at work. I'm being formal with him. He's asking me for reports. I'm giving to him. Then suddenly I'm going to work one day. We meet in the elevator. Uh, so this is not the office now. It's the elevator. And I'm saying, oh, afternoon, sir, afternoon. I said, wow, nice weather today, right? Yeah, it was snowing in the morning. And um, right now it's, you know, kind of like brightening up. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I'm... You know, yesterday I was in the Raptors game and so on and so happened. It's casual conversation. We talk about weather, things that doesn't, don't really, are not consequential. That is casual conversation. Unfortunately, in many relationships, that's what they still talk about. Casual conversation is when the focus is on every other thing apart from you. Are you hearing me now? When it's on every other thing, including gossip. So gossip is not a real conversation. So some people are communicating, and really what they're doing is gossiping because they're talking about somebody else or something else, and that pertains to somebody else. And all of that is in the realm of casual conversation, and the relationship remains casual. Now, the next one is communal. This communal one is the, is the one that is very dangerous, particularly when the couple, when the couple get married and they start having children. This is a very, it might not apply to you, right? but you write it down, write it down. You will need it, trust me. This is when the conversation at home revolves around the children. That is now a communal conversation. That's when we're communicating, we're not gossiping, we're communicating about joint interest. About joint interest. Our son or daughter is our joint interest, and we're communicating about, go to your dad, ask your dad for this come to this. And everything we're communicating now is going, flowing through that particular channel. Some of us have seen this with our parents. True? Come on, speak to me, please. True? We've seen this with our parents. They, They cannot stand with each other and talk to each other seriously. It has to be something around the children that they talk. Some parents actually meet each other, maybe for the first time in a long time, at the wedding of their children. Come now. Come now. And some of us are there right now. We can only have communal conversations in a relationship. Communal communication is good, but very bad in the long term. The best and highest level of communication is transparent communication. What does that mean? Transparent communication, one key word that you not forget about transparent communication, this is what brings the binding in the relationship is vulnerability. You know, I just met him now. I just met G. Oh, praise God. That's my man, G. So I just met G now. He's into management. He knows what I do. He knows that I'm a pastor and all of that. All right. But you know what? Formal. That's all formal. 
Can, can he be vulnerable? No, he's not vulnerable to me. He won't tell, if I ask him in high school, he'll say, oh, fine, it's good. Now, I'm not suggesting, it, I don't know anything about him, but let's assume for illustrative, illustrative purposes that if he had one course last semester in school, he's not doing well, or he's struggling with a particular course right now, he won't tell me all of that. Why? Maybe he cried about it yesterday and he won't tell me all of that. Why? Because he, he, he doesn't know me. I just met him today, so he doesn't want to be vulnerable. It is when we get to the point where we're, now, don't take this word literally now. When we're naked and not ashamed, that is the highest level of communication. That means vulnerability. You're vulnerable. This is the point whereby, listen carefully to me, this is the point whereby a man can at some points not just be a king, but can be a kid. Write it down. You will need it, son. You will need it. When the man at some point will not just not have to just be a king, can also learn to be a kid. David was a giant killer. Awesome man. Men among men. Strongest of men among men. Alpha male in the midst of alpha male. A king was in him, but a kid was also in him. When he needed food and he met Abigail, a woman called Abigail, he broke down and told Abigail. You see, it's important. Somebody I want asked me a question one time when we were doing man to man some years ago. He said, Pastor, have you ever cried? Have you ever, you know, had any issue that made you cry? And the person was expecting me to give a public relations answer and a pastoral answer, which would be like, and a faith answer, which would be like, never, never, never. But I said, yes, quite a, quite a few times. The only issue is that you will not see me cry because I have no relationship with you. But I've cried several times in the midst of presence of my wife. There are issues that happen in life sometimes when you just, like when my mother died. When my mom died, it hurt me, it hurt badly. When I got the news, I was strong and all of that. I got the news on the Saturday and I had to preach three services on the Sunday. And I did. I was fine. I was strong. But within the week, I sat down. I, what, what, what really got me was that I was strong. I was doing everything I had to do. What really got me was when my siblings told me that, of course, we're preparing for the burial and all that. I needed to write tributes. I've written so many tributes for many people. I now sat down. I remember where I was sitting by the dining table. I now had to write a tribute concerning my mom. I wrote one word only. I just lost it. I couldn't believe I'm writing a tribute concerning my mom. My mom is dead. Really? Tears just started flowing. It, my wife had to put a, a hand around my shoulder. I'm not ashamed to say that. I'm not ashamed. It doesn't mean that tomorrow my wife will see me. I'm no longer the man in the house. It's vulnerability. Are you hearing what I'm saying, somebody? Ah, your, your emotions have been naked. It is when you are the, on this level of communication that you can be angry safely. You can be angry safely. You can, you can, you can be upset within a safe environment. You're safe to be upset. You can, I'm, I don't like this. You can have an argument and disagree safely without you feeling that, oh my goodness, so and so and so and so. You know, you know it's amazing. I look at my relationship with my wife. How we make fun of each other's family. True. People that are around us, they know this. We make each other, and for some people, this is a big deal. But we do it very easily. Why? Because we're just being transparent with each other. This transparency is, very, is what binds people together on a strong emotional level. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You've got to look at your relationship. A lot of us, we have not had good relationships model for us because our parents, particularly within the culture of Nigeria, Africa, the, Af the average African man is trained not to tell a woman everything. I'm going to come here. <laughs> Why? Why? The reason is this. Please listen very carefully. The sociological reason is this. The sociological reason why that is so in the culture. Please listen very carefully. Some of you that are not Africans, maybe you're Caribbean, and you want to marry an African man. I'm telling you. So you know what is going on in their head. Their psyche 
has been wired not to tell a woman everything. The reason is very simple. It's a survival instinct, survival technique. Why? Because the sociological uh, um, environment for the African man is the place where he has to keep his options open. Because the African psyche tells us that your parents and your siblings is a blood connection you have with them. But with the woman, you don't have a blood connection. So the woman can leave just the same way she came. But your siblings and your parents, you have a blood connection. You might disagree, but they can't leave. So because of that, the man keeps his options open that this one can leave. So, but if I tell her everything and she lives with everything, she's going to hurt me. So I have to make sure I don't tell her everything and she doesn't know everything. So when she leaves, the hurt can be minimal. That's the psyche of the average African man. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? So, you, you, so the person, you, you, get, you get married to this man, and you say, he doesn't talk. He doesn't tell me anything, Pastor. Yes, he's an African man. He doesn't talk. It takes kingdom mentality to renew that. When I was growing up, my dad is a very lovely man. I learned a lot of very great things from my, from my dad. As a matter of fact, if not for my biological dad, I would never have gotten to anywhere in life. Well, I was talented, but I would never have gotten anywhere. I would have I, I, I was playing too, too, I played too hard. But he corrected me and he had a lot of motivational tools that he used. You know, that he used to correct me. Um, so I love my dad. But because he's an African man, <laughs> when I was a young adult in the university, my third year, my dad realized that, you know, by now you, just, you start getting into the idea of a relationship. You know, this is what his own father told him too. He told me, you know, you know, a woman cannot know everything. I said, yes, 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 yes. I, I had that mentality. It was when I became a Christian that I realized that a woman has, your wife has to know everything. Uh, some of you are struggling badly. I didn't say your girlfriend has to know everything. I'm telling you that as you grow in the stages of a relationship, you have to understand that there is nothing to keep down. You know, I don't have any bank account, investment, property, or any issue, anything like that, that my wife doesn't know. She knows about everything. As a matter of fact, it's a name that is on most of it. Because I'm trusting God that I will be the first person to go before her. Since I'm the head, it's the head that comes out of the water first. You know? So listen very carefully to what I'm saying. This lack of, this idea that you don't want to say something. You know, sometimes I ask, let's assume I'm a woman now. I'm asking him. When they say, oh, tell me, what about your family? I don't want, that's just an area I don't want to talk about. Be careful. person doesn't want to talk about the family, be careful. What is it about your family you don't want to talk about? If you cannot be open to me about your family, then we're going to have issues. You're not being transparent. You're keeping the relationship at the formal level. You hear what I'm saying? Anyway, I think I've loaded you too much for today. So the most effective fuel for true love in a relationship is transparent communication. Transparent with somebody when you let them know. This is what I'm, you know, and you know, it's amazing that actually as a pastor, I found this very interesting. When you're transparent. Like for example, last Sunday when in House of Praise, I had to go to a friend of mine who was turning 50, turned 50, his wife was turning 45, and last Sunday was his wife's birthday. So that's why, you know, you listen to me on last Sunday. So I had to, in the house of praise, I had to change the program a little bit. After praise and worship, just welcome, I preached immediately because he had to move his own service down a bit and it was about 25 minutes from here to his church. So that as I finish here, maximum I have to finish by 11.30 hours to be in my car. To drive 20 minutes down there because I was scheduled to start preaching there at exactly 12. So 20 minutes, but I gave myself 30 minutes. So because of that, I changed the program. But when I got on the pulpit, because people would be wondering what's going on, we changed the whole program. I was transparent about what was going on. You know, I found that as a church that it helps me 
bond with the people because of the transparency. I didn't have to. I could have just finished and say, oh, praise God, somebody give hallelujah, put the microphone down and walk away. They, I don't have to tell them. I've preached. But Jesus Christ said, feed my sheep. And I fed them. Some of them are overfed. I fed them. I've done my job. I don't have to tell them. But I told them because it helps to bind the relationship together. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Transparency is very, very important. When my mom passed on, for example, I remember that day very carefully, very, very clearly. Uh, my pastor from London incidentally came down because we're having making of champions in September 2016 at International Center. So I told him that, you know, my mom passed on. So he said, oh, did you tell the church? I said, oh, no, no, I don't want to tell the church. He said, no, it's important you tell them. He said, because you need to tell them so they see how you grieve so that when they are also passing through stuff that they're grieving, so they can see how you grieve and you can model how a Christian ought to grieve to them. So he told me that. And that's why I told the church that, you know, after I won service, and I told them, so I said, are you, Pastor, are you going to tell them? He said, no, you go tell them. So I stood before the church. And I told them, you know what, so and so, so, so happened, and I lost my mom. There was a, there was a very, very strong gasp in the church. Ah! <sighs> I still remember very clearly. You were, you were in the service the other day, you remember? Yeah, yeah. People just got, huh? You know, so the, the vulnerability is there. This is very, very important. Many of us have had friends that we can't find anything to talk about except talking about other things. True? Come on now. True? Okay. So how do we build on this transparent communication? What are the factors that, that we can build on and how can, we, how can we grow in it? I wanted to just um, introduce this concept to you today. Now, what I would like you to do is that along the line, you're going to have a lot of questions that might be more specific and particular to your situation. Please. Don't keep it to yourself. My goal and my plan in all of this, as I've always told you, is not to condemn anybody. We want to help as many people as possible. If you have a question, you're struggling with something here and there, please ask questions. When we get to the point where we're going to be doing Q&A, ask questions. Ask questions. Particularly as a guy, I guarantee you I'm going to have a session with you guys on Zoom uh, you know, this month, we're in April, right? Yeah, this month. So we're going to do it this month, by God's grace. I want you to ask. Yeah. Please ask questions. Please don't keep anything to yourself. I wish I had this opportunity. Please ask questions. Talk about it. Ask questions. Bring forth, you know, questions. Ask questions. Asking questions is one of the most powerful ways that we learn. So ask questions. Ask anything, anything you want to ask, ask. It will help you tremendously. Please don't assume. Don't use popular culture to uh, get engaged in your relationship. It will tear your heart to pieces. You know, when the heart of a woman breaks, when the heart of a woman breaks, it gets fixed from the outside to the inside. In other words, when the heart of a woman breaks, she goes out, talks about it to somebody over a period of time, the somebody, whoever the somebody is, whether it's a therapist or somebody, friend, whatever the person is, help her and the heart gets mended. You look at the woman again, it's a few months or one year, depending on the depth of the heart, she's okay. When the heart of a man breaks, it doesn't get fixed from the outside to the inside. It's the exact opposite. It gets fixed from the inside to the outside. That's why many men are broken and the men now are dysfunctional. Because they don't know how to handle the brokenness they have within them. Many men are damaged right from the beginning. So when you look at the package, it looks like every part of functionality of the gadget is in place. It's only when you press the green button that it's supposed to be go that you see that you stop. The man doesn't function. He doesn't function. He doesn't respond to impulses. Why? Because it's a broken, damaged good. And the man does not know how to, you can't fix the man. 
Because the, the way a woman, a woman, when a woman is trying to tell the man, oh, go and talk to somebody. Why don't you go and talk to somebody? The problem is that men don't talk. They don't talk to somebody. Women talk to somebody. You know, women, I mean, women talk to everybody. <laughs> women think aloud. When a woman is talking, she's still thinking. So she's not yet, it's, the idea is not fully formed. I'm not, now, this is not everybody, this is the rule of the thumb. The idea is not fully formed. I remember a woman picked up the phone and called me. She was looking for a school for her son from Nigeria. She's in Nigeria. Looking for a school for her daughter. So she called me to ask me a question. And so and so and so, school, what different schools, you know, high school, so and so. So I was trying to tell her. She went on and on and on. Three hours she was on the phone. By the time she finished, she said to me, she said, ah, thank you very much, Pastor. I think I've come to a conversation now. I said, so you are using me to think. <laughs> but that's, 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 that's it. But a man starts from the conclusion. So men don't talk. But please, you've got to understand, men only talk on one condition. Don't worry, ladies. I shall not tell you the secret of men. They only talk on only one condition will you see a man talk. The problem with women is that, you say, oh, a woman in a relationship say, oh, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. <laughs> Never. <laughs> if you see a man that you talk to and say, a woman says, talk to me, talk to me, and the man starts talking. Ah, that one's not even, no. Something's wrong. A man never talks like that. If a woman says, don't talk to me, talk to me, tell me how you're feeling, tell, never. The man says, don't, no, I, I don't want to talk. The man never talks, he internalizes it. And if the man doesn't know how to deal, how to excrete the toxins in his heart, what's going to happen to him? He gets damaged. He's still moving around, but it's damaged goods. So there's so many men then that are dysfunctional. They don't even know how to love. They don't know how to love. They don't know. Some men never heard their father say, I love you to their mother. Every relationship has been molded for them. They never heard the expression of love. They never had a, their father or any authority figure in their life say, I love you to their mother. Where? How? When he has three wives. Which one will you love? They never had language of love. They never had affirmation. They never had anything like that. Now, they're not grown-up men. They're carrying the same DNA. They don't even know how to function. So when a girl comes, says, a girl, a girl comes to the man and says, just wait. Okay, don't take this as love. Just, it's illustration. Come on, come on now. I just have to say that. When the girl says, oh, I love you, I miss you. The man says, ah. mm. You see, he does not know how to receive love because he does not know are you okay? Okay, you're not embarrassed. No, Raju, sorry. You're my man. He does not know how to receive love. When he goes, close your eyes, close your eyes, close your eyes, close your eyes. I have something for you. I have something for you. The guy goes, okay, no, don't open your eyes, don't open your eyes, don't open your eyes, don't open your eyes, don't open your eyes. You know, <laughs> then, don't open your eyes. Then the guy says, oh, what is it now? What is, you see, you're spoiling this. You, you, you don't know how to receive love. You're spoiling the whole surprise. He says, don't open your eyes. He says, oh, Tell me, show me, just give me. Then the guy is impatient. Then the guy is trying to squeeze the hand. No, just stay in your lane. Then the guy says, Tana. This is what you got for me. You see, can't receive love. Can't receive love because it's dysfunctional. Dysfunctional. Are you still with me now? So, men then, listen carefully, have to be taught to love women. Because you can't love a woman by instinct. You only love animals, pets, by instinct. Stand on your feet. If you are not taught how to respond and give love to a woman, you will treat a woman like an animal. This is part of the main issue why we have abuse. Because many men are treating the women in the relationship with them as dogs, as pets. <laughs> I hope you open up your heart to learn a lot from this. I believe it will help you tremendously. Are you willing to learn from this? Father, we thank you for what you've learned today. Give you worship. Thank you for what you've shown us today. I pray for your wonderful children. Lord, 
pray that their hearts will be open. Anywhere where there is pain in the heart of anybody here today, Father, I ask you that you will bring healing. Some of the things we've said today are stirred up some memories, some of them bad memories, some of them hurtful memories. Father, I just pray for healing. I pray for healing. Some, from what they've had today already, they, the memory of the abuse they've been through in certain instances, Lord, is overpowering right now. Father, I pray for healing, oh God, to the depth of their hearts in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, my Father. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Give the Lord some praise.